Alpha. Today is 68, uh, episode 68. We have a very interesting guest on, as you see, as you will see here in a few seconds. But first of all, I just want to read through the bio that uh, this man's assistant sent me, uh, because as I tell, as I told um, Joe, it's it's very impressive, like what he's accomplished so far, and I'm sure he has a you know, big enough goals for this year, even though to what's going on in the economy and in the world, but we're going to cover that also. But first of all, Joe grew up in a Philadelphia suburbs and has been a lifelong investor who started at the age of 19 back in 2001. So over the last 19 years, he has invested in over 100 residential properties and 40 commercial properties. In 2011, one of his private investors led him to note investing where he bought non-performing mortgages from hedge funds and banks. Joe got in the right time and acquired over 2,800 residential mortgages over the course of eight years. That's very impressive. So his success in note investing created income and wealth for investors, partners, and founders. So throughout the last decade, uh, his fascination with maxim, uh, minimizing his tax bill and beating out Wall Street returns, I love that, uh, led him to participate in many different tax strategies, including company retirement plan, Roth IRAs, traditional IRA, and Act 22 of Puerto Rico. Again, uh, that's something that I never heard before. Maybe we can cover that also in, uh, in the show. In 2014, he decided to make the move to Puerto Rico and participate in certain tax benefits known as Act 22. With his desire to cons uh, constantly learn and seek out trends, he ventured into blockchain startups and digital assets. So as you see, this man uh, has his hands full. Uh, he's very busy and I'm very grateful uh, to get some of this uh, busy man's time today. And I'm very happy to have you on the show today, Joe. Appreciate it. Ooh, thank, thank you very much for having me on today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Again, I think it's going to be a very good show. Uh, again, looking at the bios, as I told you before the interview, it's very impressive what you accomplished so far. Uh, by looking at you, I'm guessing, you know, you, you, you're not 60 or 50 yet. So, I mean, you accomplished a lot of things while, while still being in a young age. So, first of all, maybe we can uh, kind of, you know, take apart uh, what Joe is, like, how did you discover that you want to do all these things, you know, the, like buying notes and real estate investing, and now going to different uh, ventures as blockchain and, you know, like building different businesses. Like, was you, were you like this before in a school? Like, when did you discover, it, you know, this kind of potential for the business that you have now? That's a great question. And I would say, uh, you know, ever since I was little, I always wanted to go out and kind of hustle, uh, you know, naturally, you know, when I was younger, you know, we used to collect baseball cards, you know, me and my buddies would go out and shovel snow in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, I was always responsible for making my own money and taking care of myself when I was younger. So, you know, back in the, I guess, late nineties, <laughs> I'm 38 now. So, you know, um, in the late nineties, I mean, one of the, only things you could do is more of a service related jobs on the side when you're in high school, most of the time, you know, whether that was landscaping or contracting and so forth. So, you know, in order to make more money, my goal would be to go out, find these odd jobs around the neighborhood, doing stuff for the neighbors, whether it was raking leaves, shoveling snow. And, uh, you know, over the years that just kept growing. So when I, uh, was in high school, I decided to start a landscaping company. And, you know, I expanded that. I went to tech school for contracting in my 11th and 12th grade. Uh, what 
what's great about that is the tech school allowed you the ability to get out of high school for about half a day. Cause I never really wanted to be in school. You know, it just wasn't my thing. I didn't enjoy being there. And so I was able to sign up for tech school for contracting and that got me out for about half a day. Um, so getting out of high school and graduating, I had JR's contracting and landscaping where I performed contracting and landscaping services for a period of time. And at the age of 19, I moved out of my parents' house and bought my first uh, piece of real estate outside of the Philadelphia area. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was the contracting experience that led me to doing the repairs on the property myself. And from there, I started acquiring real estate in the outer banks of North Carolina in the 2000s, during the 2000s real estate boom. And that was a, a very good lesson in the 20s. You know, I started getting into a lot of different properties and then the market had crashed, right? <laughs> so here's the, you know, one of the biggest uh, lessons that you learn in life. And uh, I'm so glad that I learned it in my 20s because today it just has made me such a better investor is that you just don't over leverage and that when things get so frothy, there's a point that it does come to an end. And so going through that experience of the 2000s and kind of uh, owning a bunch of properties and then, you know, having to sell them at a, a lot of losses after the market crashed taught me a lot. And I continued doing some contracting work to keep things afloat. And then it was maybe about 2010, 11, I started fixing up properties again in the uh, Philadelphia area. And it was one property that I was flipping that my private lender had lent me money to do that deal was like, I'm not going to be you know, lending you any more money. I'm moving it over to this other fund. I was like, okay. I was giving him, I think maybe about 15% or so. So I was like, wow, why, you know, why? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm getting 18% over here, which <laughs> sounds like a high return today. But you know, eight years ago when some of these funds were acquiring assets coming out of the banks, I mean, the returns were a lot higher than they are today where they're compressed, right? And he you know, told me to start coming to the meetings. And so I joined the meetings. And then after a period of time, I learned about what it was like to buy distressed mortgages. And this was buying the loans that originated in the 2000s, where the people went upside down and stopped paying. And the bank started selling them off to other funds. And then the funds would sell to other funds. So after attending those monthly meetings for about six months, I partnered up with somebody who's already been in space to work some loans that I initially bought. So this way, it gave me the insight to the viability of the, the uh, investment before I jumped ship from the real estate, full real estate side to the loan side. And after about six months, I recovered my full principal that I invested on that little pool to start with. And then I was sold that, you know, I'd rather be the lean lord versus the landlord at this moment. So we started acquiring pools of loans. I partnered up with two people. We performed a partnership. We started an office outside of Philadelphia. And from there, we started buying pools of loans. And that would put us into uh, about 2014, where, you know, as we started accumulating assets, there, you know, you started thinking about the tax consequences, right? And it was at a conference that my securities lawyer and I were speaking. And I was like, you know, 
what is the real deal with the Caymans and all these foreign jurisdictions? Because, you know, Obama at that time was trying to crack down on all this a little bit. And I didn't really understand because nobody really teaches this in the school system, right? They don't really teach you how to strategically invest tax efficiently. And so he said, I'm not sure, but I heard something about Puerto Rico. And so at that point I went home, I Googled it up and I was like, wow. And then, uh, so I was looking at maybe moving to Florida at that point anyway, just to get to a warmer climate and no state income tax. And so my buddy's like, hey, might as well just go do the Puerto Rico thing because it's a, it's a life experience and it's a 0% to 10% effective tax rate. So I went down there. I, I booked a flight. I flew down first week. I just booked an apartment and moved down just a couple months later. <laughs> and so my uh, other partner came down a couple months after that. And uh, the third partner, he went on in a different direction at that time. And that was what worked for him. He wanted to be more at home and stay with his family. So uh, Lindsay and I, you know, we continued that journey and living in Puerto Rico and from the fall of 2014 till the beginning of last year myself, um, I continued to buy pools of assets and one of my brokers from New York had offered us a pool of REO assets like a residential commercial that a Puerto Rico bank was selling. And at that time, that was our first entrance into that market. And we ended up bidding and we were scared. We were, we were really scared, but we were awarded the deal kind of because it was a unfamiliar market. And at that time, you know, Puerto Rico over the last five years has made the news as you know, there's crazy Zika, the bonds are blowing up, they're in debt, there's these hurricanes, there's these earthquakes, there's just, they've been having a lot of challenges, but um, that's more on the surface and on the news level. Mm -hmm. uh, when you actually, you know, are living there and understand what's going on is never as bad as the news portrays, you know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so we ended up acquiring that uh, portfolio of assets and it was, uh, you know, the start of the investments in Puerto Rico. And it was actually worked out to be one of the best trades we did over the last 10 years um, from a return on investment uh, standpoint. And so that kind of opened up other relationships over the last uh, five years for us to execute other deals there. Um, so that takes us up to the beginning of last year. And then last year, you know, I now am uh, married and have a couple of kids. And so we just wanted to be back stateside, closer to family, closer to some of the luxuries that are available stateside. Yep. Every, everything has its pros and cons of where you live. And exactly. uh, so now, I mean, that brings us up to here and, you know, continually investing in real estate at the moment. Awesome. Awesome. So okay, you kind of covered everything that's been here in the bio. So again, uh, that, I think that's a wrap. Thank you for the show. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. You know, first, I, I just would like to go back to the time because again, yep. uh, I love the fact that you discovered real estate investing while being so young, like 19. Uh, because you know yourself personally, there's a lot of people, you know, walking right down the street or maybe watching this interview and they're like 25 and they have no clue what they're going to do with their lives. So by age of 19, you've been kind of young to discover like about real estate investing. And like, so I want to ask you, why did you decide to choose that path? Because uh, the year of 2000, you know, that was where the, you know, the dot-com boom was going on. So you could choose the path to start maybe, you know, a digital company, you know, in a Silicon Valley, be a venture capital or something, right? So why did you decide to, to follow the path of real estate investing? That's a great question. Well, like I mentioned, I went, when we were going to school, we never even had laptops, even though I graduated 2000. So maybe we just missed it by a year or two, but we didn't end up having uh, computers in school. So I have 
you know, I didn't have any experience with uh, tech or anything. So I just wasn't educated. I wasn't surrounded uh, by those people. And most of the, we'll call them, well, we said self-employed then, but you may say entrepreneur today in our school was the service related uh, job. So, you know, my buddies that went to school is either you're going to be a contractor, landscaper, electrician. When you talked about being self-employed at that time, you know, it wasn't really all these other things that are available today. And so the contracting is what led me into real estate because it gave me the ability to do the work on the properties. And also through my mother and grandpa up, they have invested in real estate. And so that kind of just gave me a direction to go with at that time. Okay, got it. So you got a little bit of influence. And again, they're, they're probably at that time, as I said, there was no choice. It's like, this is what you're going to do. I mean, it's a physical type of business. It's easier to understand than, you know, running a software company. So it does make sense. So talking about investing, because now I see you have over 100 residential properties and 40 commercial properties. So again, you're diversifying a little bit when it comes to the real estate. So is there something that you would prefer? Like, because I know the numbers are different and it seems like, oh, there's like 100 residential properties, but maybe those 40 is, is going to be like 15,000 units. You know, who knows? Because it might be multifamily. So what do you prefer, uh, you know, long term? Is it going to be residential or, or commercial? So as a, are you saying what asset would I prefer to hold yeah. over a longer period of time? Yeah. yeah. I mean, right now, if someone's looking at it and they're looking at it from a strictly scalability and uh, scalability point and how to accumulate the greatest amount of wealth, I mean, you have to go commercial because that's just the bigger the number, you know? Mm -hmm. And then within that commercial realm, obviously, multifamily is a hot ticket. Everyone needs housing. I don't think that's going anywhere. Um, and then beyond that, there's still going to be the desire for certain office space and warehouse space. And uh, so I would look at those few classes. Retail, I don't know where that's going. Uh, my, my opinion there is it needs to be modified to somewhere where it's like more micro type of retail and more of a display storefront so an example would be like you want to buy a computer right now like i was just going through this you want to buy a computer you don't you want to go and touch feel them and maybe use them but most of the brands are now not displaying those items so i kind of envision like a micro store where you go in the brands can lease out that space they could display their items you could view it you go in with your phone you hit it with a code if you want to buy it, it's delivered to your door instead of walking out with it so it takes a lot more mm -hmm. space i think we're going to see trends like that yeah and um, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, it. I mean, I mean, Amazon is doing it. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, they, they, you know, if you just follow, because Amazon is going to kill all the retailers, you know, like all the warehouses. I mean, it's, you know, this conglomerate. So, yeah. So from the 40 commercial properties that you're having, like for what will be the percentage of multifamily deals that you have in there? So most, well, a lot of the properties within, you know, my experience portfolio have been assets that we've, you know, bought and sold. Uh, out of all those assets, I think three are multifamily. And I think they ranged anywhere from five to 20 units, I want to say there. Okay. Um, and then there's also a handful of office buildings, um, you know, ranging anywhere from, you know, a couple thousand to 30,000 square feet, I want to say. Okay. So what, what, is the, what is the current plan, uh, I mean, with the residential and commercial properties? So probably you had a little bit different plan uh, before, the end, uh, before the start of the year. 
and probably have to adapt a little bit and shift. But like, are you planning to hold or sell some of the properties, either residential or commercial this year? Or what is the plan for your business? Uh, continue, you know, we have a continuous pipeline, you know, of where we're acquiring properties and selling properties. Uh, so we also look at markets that we feel are more on a, in a recovery stage. And maybe what I mean by that is, I think over the last decade, what we've seen certain markets have run up in certain timeframes a lot higher than other markets and some relate to recovery. So example, would be like Puerto Rico. I believe Puerto Rico had a late stage to the recovery because they got started probably, they probably bottomed out like three, four years ago, which means they were probably about five years behind the US. So US opportunity to buy was like 2009, 2014, where Puerto Rico was kind of 2015, 2018. Does that make sense? And so when you, we look at different markets, we look at where they at in their own cycle within that own sub market, right? And so recently I've been, last year I've been acquiring more real estate back in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And the reason why I've been doing that is because it wasn't until about 18, 24 months ago did they actually start seeing the inventory start ticking up. So they just started recovering from a decade ago. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when we go into a market like that, we'll acquire the assets and then we'll look at somewhere between, let's say one to five year liquidation curve. And that kind of just depends on where that, that sub market is going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, got it. So but all the deals that you're currently looking at is all based on North Carolina. So somewhere around there in the same market. Are you looking mm -hmm. other states as well? Well, mostly in the Southeast and Puerto Rico. Those are probably the two areas right now is that where we're focused. Okay, got it. Yeah. And, that, okay. and that's, like I said, that's based on the trends, demographics, and everything that's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you see it on the course. news, right? Well, you, you, of course, for the, for the statistics based uh, on your investment decisions, you probably don't follow the news for that. But uh, yeah, but you basically, so yeah, because I think people would love to hear, you know, about... Uh, saving you know a ton of you know taxes by act 22 of puerto rico so maybe we're gonna discuss that uh but first of all do you still do the note investing at the same time right now that's a good question uh, i have a uh i have one partnership that i'm invested in that has been acquiring some loan portfolios one off as the opportunity presents itself but over the last 24 months uh maybe even 36 months we found the opportunity to kind of be non-existent when it comes to a value add or a opportunistic pricing. Um, a lot of those returns have compressed and the offerings have been put out to the public, which means that they're kind of selling on a loan level basis, meaning there's a lot more bidders coming in and you kind of get stupid money and that's kind of when we are not buying. <laughs> okay. Okay, makes sense. So, okay, so let's talk about the Puerto Rico because I think uh, a lot of people will love to hear that and uh, the fact that, you know, you can save a lot of money on taxes and, you know, you can by opening an LLC or basically. So if you run through the requirements of what you actually need, because you probably need to get, a, um, you know, a, some sort of a, you know, resident card or whatever that may be. So what, what are the requirements for you to be able to open, you know, a business or to, just to save on taxes, you know, what is the process for people to do that? 
Got it. Over the years, they have changed, they, they frequently change the requirements a little bit. So I'm going to give like the high level and keep it easy. And obviously, if anybody wants to reach out to a tax lawyer, that's probably best. Um, but, you know, for us U.S. residents, you know, Puerto Rico is a territory, but is considered part of the U.S. And so, therefore, for us to make the move there, you physically need to make the move. You find apartment to rent or to purchase. And once you establish that and you have your utility bills on and at least, then you could go and apply for a driver's license. Okay. So you don't need a passport or anything different when you're a U.S. resident. So once you establish uh, the residency and you have a driver's license, you're, the laws state you got to stay there for over half the year. You got to be a resident and reside and be on the island for more than half the year. And once you fulfill those requirements, I mean, you're pretty much a Puerto Rico resident and then you can take advantage of the act 2022 which now i believe is called act 60 but basically act 22 is where you could pay up to zero percent capital gain tax on your investment gain income and so that's going to include assets like securities you know stocks uh cryptocurrency uh you know if you invest in mortgages um it does not include U.S. stateside-based real estate because U.S. taxes real estate within the U.S. Now, it also can include like the sale of, you know, if you have shares of a private company or you're going to sell your company, that would fall into that bucket. Okay. So the taxes from real estate, let's say, are they going to be deferred or, or is just you don't pay taxes at all? So the taxes on the real estate side, if it's a U.S. based asset, you would pay on the U.S. federal level. Okay. Does that make sense? And but all investment uh, investment assets in Puerto Rico fall under the zero percent. So uh, if you're investing in the real estate in Puerto Rico or mortgages or anything within the island, that's going to fall under the Act 22, which is going to be made can be considered zero percent tax rate. Okay. Got it. So have you explored other tax strategies before moving to Puerto Rico? I mean, what, what have you explored and what do you think might be another option when it comes to, you know, tax strategies? So uh, I guess one of the biggest ones that most people use is, is through the qualified retirement plans, right? I mean, that's utilizing their 401ks, Roth IRAs, or regular traditional IRA. Uh, personally, over the last 10 years, I've been involved in, we, we had a company plan when we had our office set up. <clears throat> and then I rolled that into a traditional IRA and I have a Roth IRA. Um, so currently I have a self-directed accounts at a couple of the custodians where I direct them to invest in certain assets on behalf of my retirement account. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years. And those assets will be commercial properties? Uh, those assets, those assets are, uh, interest in, uh, private companies, um, interest in like venture startups. Yeah. Um, I also have, uh, you know, some digital asset holdings and, uh, some stuff through a uh, brokerage account. When you call it, when you're talking about, uh, digital asset holdings, you're talking about the, the blockchain, right? Yes, we're talking about <clears throat> cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and so forth, correct? Yeah, okay. So maybe that's the topic to explore because, again, uh, what's going on with the COVID right now? I would love to hear your thoughts on that because if you're invested, I don't know if you're invested heavily. Uh, and I, I, that's why at this point I will call it an investment, you know, 
but maybe it will become a you know a currency that we're going to use worldwide so that will be kind of a question because uh looking at the banks there was already news uh floating around saying that the banks are going to move towards digital currency at some point which uh, i think that will skyrocket all the blockchains uh, you know like bitcoin all, <laughs> any crypto it will skyrocket to the insane price right so anybody who's holding i mean you know the answer is clear what's going to happen with their, with their wealth, right? So what do you think? Uh, is that going to be soon or is this going to happen? Like is the, you know, the blockchain is going to take over? Like what's going to happen with the crypto in the future? Well, I think is everything that innovates, including like the internet, that uh, when people look at things, they're very, I guess, like say short-sighted and they can't quite understand how long things take until they look in the rear view and realize like, Oh, Uber's 10, 15 years and look how big it is, right? And so while we're about 10 years in since Bitcoin started, it still is a 20, 30 year process, right? I mean, that's what happened with the internet. And so when, you know, you see everything that's going on in the space, you know, people kind of don't pay attention to it because they don't really understand uh, the final product yet. And so that still might be 10, 15 years out. When it comes to the digital currency i mean i've been saying to my you know some of my teammates the last couple of years is that i fully believe in the digital currencies of the different jurisdictions or i even said there should always be some kind of like universal globe global coin which is almost like the dollar right now i guess mm -hmm. um where you know it can transact around the whole world borderless yeah yeah well it, it could be again we we're just guessing i'm sure you have uh, a lot of information on that but that could be a totally different topic and it could be a different uh, podcast episode right here just on a blockchain and you know the crypto because uh, again like what's happening now with the covid uh, you know and that's a very smart way for um again we're not going to go to the dark side and say you know like oh somebody's just looking to control some stuff but look they're trying to get rid of the paper money because it spreads the covid or whatever you they're coming up with but you know it's going to happen at some point but i think um i just seen that on the news a week ago i think it's going to happen where a lot of people are going to get ripped off a lot of people of course in the beginning you know people will pay that price because some of the people are just naive right and you know so like in ireland uh in two months probably more than that uh, three million uh, euros were stolen like from the people who uh, used to get the phone calls and saying listen do you want to buy some bitcoin and people just gave the credit cards and you know like so the people access you know their finance and so those those situations will happen and you know because people again people don't trust with the money that they have in their pockets so it's hard for them right now to trust the money that's nowhere it's in a digital space somewhere floating around and you just trust that it's worth something right so so it will take some time for people to get used to it but it's a fact that we you know we're getting there we go into that direction and two things with that is that innovation with innovation comes a lot of failures right yep i mean and people got to understand that so you know in the last year or two there's been some hacks there's been loss of funds but what that does is create better protection moving forward now people got to repair that and so that is just the natural evolution of everything in life everything must fail multiple times in order to you know create a final product and so that's why you know people may look at it as a negative thing but i mean that's just the way the journey goes 
That's true. That's so true. I'm, I'm very glad that you cleared, the, cleared this out, you know, for the people. Yeah, because again, I'm not trying to sound negative, like I'm against against the thing. Like you, you, like you can be against for it. You're not going to stop it. Like it's uh, what you said, it's an evolution and it's going to take us there. You want it or you don't want it. So if you don't go with the times, you're going to live behind and you're going to, you know, say, oh, listen, like 10 years ago, I should bought, you know, so make sure you do your own research and due diligence on a, on a, you know, on a crypto. And I, I have a, you know, a lot of people who have a, a big interest in that and, you know, they heavily invested in the, in the crypto as well. So and the comment and one other comment on there is, you know, when it comes to like money laundering and so forth, cash is still number one. I mean, people just don't understand that. That is the dirty dog of them all, but yeah. no one, the government's not willing to say the you know, cash is the dirtiest of them all. And so I think, you know, there's just misconceptions out there when the news puts out certain articles. Yeah. Oh, de oh definitely. We, we, people know already they, they, they shouldn't trust the news. You know, the majority of people know that already. So, and also, so so, hey, one more, just for, so for listeners, is that in the real estate business, people are aware there has been a lot of wire theft frauds over the last year or two with everything with real estate transactions. So you know, while someone's like, oh, there's a crypto theft, but someone doesn't realize people are going through wire frauds right now when they go to do a closing and they accidentally send it to a different account because someone intercepted the wire and instructions. And this is from, you know, centralized services working together and they're still not able to do nothing and they have to file a report. So fraud's happening everywhere. Oh yeah, oh, yeah for sure. Definitely agree with you. So what about the different startups? Because uh, again, I'm just looking, you, you, you're moving... Uh, your own, you know, energy and thoughts and, and capital to different ventures. So uh, as you mentioned, you have a digital assets, which again is the crypto. Like, so what else did you explore so far and what else are you planning to move to, uh, you know, with your time and capital in the future? So we are, have moved to some of the startups through the crypto space and that's either around uh, tools for trading your crypto if you're a trader managing your portfolio, uh, exchanges, um, and different protocols that could do different things. And moving forward, we're also looking at um, ways that, like through the real estate and prop tech and how they will integrate, um, you know, how the records will be placed on the blockchain and so forth. So uh, other startups we're looking at right now is even includes um, a drone-based uh, imagery, you know, where you could order... Um, order instantly, you know, image of a certain property. And then somebody goes out, takes it, uploads it to the system. That's uh, one example that we're looking at right so now. So well, well, for, for what type of service that would be like, you know, give an example. Uh, real estate. So let's say you want to buy a property or you own a property and you want to get today's view over uh, bird's eye view, street view, everything and see the condition of it from the exterior. Okay. You could go on, place an order. And then it goes through a service and it's almost like uh, an Uber where they get a pilot within that area that goes out, takes the imagery and gets uploaded to that system and you get the report back. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Like, I don't know if I, if I would be a fan of a drone flying around my house and, you know, <laughs> you know it's like, well, what's going on here? But yeah, I do understand that. I mean, that, so that again, like guys and girls who are watching this, I mean, uh, like you know joe like from the, from your bio again you're heavily involved into real estate again and that was the start of of the entire business and like your journey in a business world but like as as, as we're talking right now i do understand that you're putting a lot of your time 
well, I, I will be guessing, but you know, maybe 30, 40%, I don't know, maybe you know the number. You're putting a lot of time and effort towards what's gonna happen in the future and you know, investing time and money into different ventures, which is, uh, which is great because there's not a lot of real estate investors uh, do that. And for the, sim for the simple reason, because they trust real estate is, is the holy grail, right? Like you should be full in like 95%, maybe 5% in stocks, but that's pretty much it. So it's very phenomenal to hear you, you know, talking about crypto and, you know, doing different ventures, again, similar and connected to real estate business in some way, maybe, but it, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome, you know? What, yeah, what people need to realize is that, and, and be aware of more, is that we're, we're moving to a, a pretty much full digital age, right? I mean, we're, all these assets are, are going to be digitized in some form and being able to trade uh, across borders, right? We don't know how it all plays out over the next decade when it comes to, regulations and so forth, but there's already existing projects out there that are starting to digitize and tokenize uh, part of these real estate assets and, and offering them to the public. Uh, you know, so there's so much automation that's happening in this space and that over the next 20, 30 years, I mean, it's just going to be automated smart contracts that are buying and selling properties. I mean, you know, Open Door and these other iBuyer companies, Zillow in the US, they're already you know, leading the charge the last couple of years, buying and selling real estate, and they're collecting all this data. And some of them are losing money, but they're just doing it so they can collect all this data. And they're going to be able to build machines that can basically buy and sell real estate without any intermediaries. Exactly, exactly. So it, it's all about the algorithm and data in this day and age, data is everything. Amazon is based on data, you know, so they collect a tons of data, everybody, everything like the business is, is data, algorithms, numbers. So that's what it's all about. So talking about, uh, you know, real estate back to back to that part, again, for the people who are watching, they're thinking, good, Joe, good for you, 100 residential properties, 40 commercial uh, properties doing, you know, different ventures, different businesses, having all the success that you achieved right now. It's like, but where do I start, you know, in these times sort of, of uh, you know, maximum amount of uncertainty, maybe there's, you know, I don't know if, if the job is going to be around for that long. What will be your advice for those people? Well, being a little more seasoned and older uh, and, and growing up, I've learned that, you know, as you get older and wiser, that it's better to choose something that you're more passionate about than chasing the dollar, right? So as you go through your daily activities, you should take note on what kind of gets you excited. You know, where are you spending the most time? Like if you're on your phone searching stuff, what are you studying the most that is intriguing? Because I would bet that that's the path you want to start leaning into first, because you want something that engages you, that you're willing to spend whatever hours of the day that you want to do, because it doesn't feel like work. I would at least start there. Um, so follow, follow your passion is basically what you're saying, right? Yeah. And that, 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 that can always be, you know, that, that, that can always be misconstrued because, you know, passion sometimes hard, but I call it more something that like just gauges your interest, right? Like, so if you're, if you're surfing the web, looking at Zillow residential properties every day in, in this certain location, you just start to mentally know it because you just study the values and you just find yourself excited there. Then, you know, maybe you want to start looking at that avenue and start placing some offers, figuring out who you could partner with first in that area. I mean, I understand most people getting started have no capital for the majority of people. So mm -hmm. that's always the hardest part uh, to get the ball rolling. And so from there, I would say what has worked for me at least is attending meetups. Now might be virtually, but they'll be back in person. 
and getting to find the right people and maybe even older people that have real estate experience now that just want to place capital or find a partner to do all the work and partner with them, you know, be the person responsible to do all the work on the project. And that's kind of what gets the ball rolling. Yeah. And then that starts building a resume of experience for you to go out and raise your own private capital at a later date. Okay. That's a good advice. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing again, because there's a lot of people who have, uh, you know, a big interest into, let's say, you know, oh my God, look at Elon Musk. He's building all these cars, you know, rockets. Maybe we should follow that. You know, that's very exciting, <laughs> you know, but it's like, you have to look at the current situation. And again, I do understand what you're saying, like your interests, because maybe that's where, again, behind the passion, there is some skills also that might be, you might be like, if you like, let's say computer, like softwares, and you just, as you said, scrolling on the internet, you're looking for that. And maybe that's what you go and study maybe deeper on a certain, you know, on a deeper level to build some valuable skills that you can bring to the marketplace that they would pay you for. So yeah, definitely, you know, that's, that's a great advice for people. So uh, talking about the books, I don't know, are you still, I'm sure you're, you're, you're still an avid reader. Uh, some books, uh, like top three that you would recommend for people to read right now, because again, time is available. So I think people should read. So good question. I'm, I'm not really a reader. I have I've, I've always struggled there. Uh, you know, I'm one that's hard to pay attention and follow the words throughout a whole book per se. So what is working right now, I would say for me, at least is YouTube. Um, mm. it's like micro TV. So there's certain, let's call it influencers, you would say, or you can even call them a coach or a mentor, depending on how you're utilizing that content. Yeah. And you hone in on those few. And typically, you know, a certain part of the day or nighttime, I'll watch these videos like at one and a half to two times the speed and digest that information. And that's how I am, you know, I would say leveling up now when it comes to my own personal reading, I'm taking that information out that I need, because I think it's uh, a more direct point in which you can consume info. So if you need to know, example, how to set up an IRA, you could find the right video quicker. It could give you an instruction within 10 minutes versus having to fulfill reading a book for a few months. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's for sure. Cause you get a, you know, like an answer on the spot there. And of course <laughs> there might be some misinformation as always. I mean, you just have to do your own due diligence and kind of maybe go with the gut feeling because there's a lot of, you know, misinformation like on internet just in general but yeah youtube is definitely a great source so what would you recommend for people to follow because let's say it's real estate based like who people should follow besides besides following you also <laughs> wow i you know i don't i don't know if there's anyone in particular per se i would say is because like i said it's very important to hone in on who is in your particular asset class right so like if you're a guy, let's say Grant Cardone is obviously a big influencer on social media. His whole goal is class A, $50 million, you know, multifamily across low income or low tax states and sunshine, right? And so if that's your box, you want to follow that guy. And I think that's uh, the importance. So someone who's in a residential real estate and they're a house flipper, they're going to want to go and find those top five flippers that give them the best information about finding the property uh, you know, buying the property, selling the property and the best marketing techniques you can use throughout that process. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, uh, great advice. Thanks for that. And again, you mentioned social media and marketing. So, uh, again, we connected on, uh, Instagram as far as I remember. 
And uh, that's the way to go about, like in these days, as I mentioned, you, you're moving towards uh, ventures when it comes to like digital ventures, crypto and blockchain. So, and social media is part of these digital products that are available to people, you know, in a like fingertips. So what marketing approaches would you recommend for people, either already established businesses or maybe for the people who, are, who want to start a business, like what platforms should they use and what sh should they do on a social medias? Well, I think the most important point is uh, just to document your, your story, right? And what you're doing on a daily or a weekly basis, And that just gives a better connection to other people out there. People are looking to connect based on the story that's behind the person posting. Um, now across the different platforms, uh, <laughs> I guess is if you already have a dominant platform that you have a lot of followers and a lot of engagement, I would maybe just start there because it might be easier for you than going somewhere new and trying to build a new base. Um, if you don't have any existing platforms, uh, you know, LinkedIn right now has been very good when it comes to business. Um, there's, I think, just a more professional crowd there. I'm not so engaged on the Instagram per se, on the uh, higher or the older demographic. I think uh, Facebook seems to do a little bit better when it comes to the business and the older demographic and like investors and so forth. Um, it's probably my input there. So for me, it's been more LinkedIn or Facebook. So, so no TikTok videos, no. I, I, I told I told the team to put a couple together, but I don't think they've been really doing too much there. <laughs> I feel, you know, look at the end of the day. I mean, if you could hack up the content, post it everywhere. I mean, you you, you know, give it a try for a month or two or three months, and yeah. you know, see what comes out of it. Measure it from there because you really just don't know. Got but it. sometimes people can't focus, so sometimes it might be better just to focus on one platform where you get the most traction and and hone in until you kind of expand as far as possible, and then look at another one. Well, definitely agree with you on that one. And I would like to add up uh, again, as you do same in a business, like diversifying across multiple platforms. Again, it, it should be, you know, a, a thing that people should think about, particularly people in, in real estate industry, because we spend a lot of time talking with real estate investors globally. And that's our message always. You have to diversify your marketing efforts, particularly in this time, because again, everybody's at home. They don't go out that much. Again, you know, social distancing. Everybody's watching TV at home, which is nobody watches TV. Maybe when the news just up, uh, but everybody sits on a phone, you know, and they're scrolling on different platforms, which uh, again, the ones that you mentioned, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. So if people and companies themselves, and that was the talk before I did, you know, before the preparation for the recession disaster, which was supposed to be, but it turned out to be the COVID thing, right? I said, listen, everybody have to be prepared and you have to hammer on the marketing because that's where the attention is going to go. So I think people should still, I know it's a lot of time effort, but they should market because when you market yourself, like, look, great things do happen. Just like us, you know, connecting here and having this great talk, you know, you providing value to the people that wasn't happening if we couldn't connect it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just uh, was on, you know, just had an interview and the guy, you know, left it off with network equals your net worth. And exactly. the older you get, the more you realize that it is all who you know, because the easier you can connect with people, the faster you can solve your problems. And when you're running a business, you always have problems uh, on a weekly basis that you need to solve. So the more people that you know, the better you're going to be able to do and the faster you can move. And the way to do that 
is to establish a lot of relationships and build a trust and authority online. Exactly. Same as like, it was like you'd be going to local meetings, yep. but you could get thousands and millions of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything is in arm's reach right now. I mean, like you're in the States, I'm in Ireland and we are just talking over like digitally over zoom, you know, people get that content, people listening to this episode right now on a podcast. You know, so so that's the way that's the way to go about, you know, in this day and age. So people should put in time and effort, you know, to go and at least connect with the people just like yourself. So before we finish off, I want to ask you, you know, a question about scaling and building a business. Because, again, uh, business owners, I know everybody got excited before the 2020 It was kind of beautiful number. Right. It's kind of magical number. And then this, you know, thing hit the fan and kind of things uh, turned out to be a little bit ugly, right? But uh, I'm sure you had a business plan uh, for this year. So let's, I still know that you're gonna continue and follow through with your business plan this year, but what are you planning to accomplish for the upcoming year also? Can you share some of that? So coming into 2020, it was for us, it was actually uh, a little bit slow on the real estate acquisition side because what we just went through the last couple of years, prices got to a point that, you know, it typically doesn't fit our business model. Our business model is to buy when no one's buying or to buy a distressed assets, not, you know, at the top of the market. So once COVID hit, you know, we were under the impression, you know, within the first month that we thought that the next year or two can present a very big opportunity in real estate. And uh, now we're a few months down the road and we're not quite sure. And the reason being that the government is kind of propping up a lot of different things and we just don't know where they're willing to go or where they're not willing to go. Right. And so while there's a lot of default in the market, we don't know what we're going to actually see or where the government might step in and actually, you know, prop that up. Um, so, you know, as we're looking at the business plan for this year, we actually, the last couple of months ended up, uh, you know, getting quite a bit busier than we anticipated. And I'm not quite sure why that is yet, but so far, you know, we just have some certain sellers in areas that are willing to sell some portfolios of assets um, privately to us. So it's working out very well. Um, okay. Our goal, you know, for this year and into next year is we're looking at, we're keeping an eye on the pulse of what we think is going to happen and what kind of stress opportunities come into play because right now it's still very unclear. So it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to make that plan, but we are preparing by, you know, uh, raising a certain amount of capital, setting up capital partners, and we'll be looking at those residential and commercial assets as they come about. Um, you know, there is some bankruptcy stuff starting to show through right now. Uh, we just bid on a deal that we actually lost or, you know, couldn't execute and, and the bid went way high. So there's still some crazy buyers in the market. <laughs> so when it comes to the business plan, I would say our goal is, you know, we're ready and set with capital and the experience to execute on what assets come out, but we just don't have clarity around what's going to happen yet with the government here and what they're going to prop up. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Totally. Does that make sense? I mean, I think that's of kind course. of a little bit across all industries right now. Like no one, everything's a little gray where everyone doesn't know what is really going on and what's the reality of this. You know, there's a lot of talk about, game. yeah, it's waiting game a little bit now. So there's a lot of talk about next year, you know, a lot of opportunities come to market, but then, you know, there's other reports that are saying there's a shortage of uh, housing inventory. So it would absorb any of that. And so we're just not really sure. I would say. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I totally understand that the current times are kind of, you know, shaky for a lot of people in particular business owners, but at least you are in a position uh, where you can make some moves and, you know, and, and uh, look for acquiring, you know, good deals and in, in good locations. So I would like uh, for you guys to go and uh, connect with Joe, because uh, again, he has a ton of great content. I know you're available on different platforms. Again, you have a website. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube podcast, which is called the Joe Robert show. Uh, make sure and go and subscribe that on iTunes. And uh, yeah, it's been a great pleasure to having you on. And, you know, I, I had a really good time talking with you. And again, first, probably real estate investor that we have in a show that is talking about investing in a blockchain, uh, you know, different ventures when it comes, you know, to kind of you know, software kind of type of, you know, new age businesses, which, which is awesome, you know, which is awesome. I really, you know, I'm a fan of your stuff. So of your business approaches. So guys, again, if you enjoyed the show, make sure to share this with your friends. That's all I'm asking because in a times like these, uh, they need those, you know, golden nuggets uh, to kind of wake them up and show them, Hey, look, there's opportunities around. Just uh, start listening to the right people like Joe and, uh, get their advice, implement, take action. And uh, you'll see that one day, you know, the more you do, uh, the more good things will come out uh, as soon as possible. So guys, uh, really appreciate you watching the show. Joe, uh, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate the time and effort. And guys, as always, I'm gonna see you on the next episode. Thanks. Thank you very much.